Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And his blood will, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and yes, I think he's talking about areas in life that we have need and where we're struggling. But, but sometimes, man, the, the, the fellowship comes when we actually want to get in the light ourselves. And that's just being vulnerable with who you are, where you're from, what you're like. Uh, and I know as I've gotten older um, and... I know I don't look old to many of you, but as I've gotten older, uh, sorry, I hear some thoughts sometimes and people, he doesn't look old, um, that, that you, you have to be really intentional with relationships, especially when you have kids and families and works and jobs and all that stuff. You have to be really intentional. I think especially in the body of Christ, uh, we can get sometimes in a bad habit uh, of just going up and not doing this, you know? And, and we really hunger and starve for this because there's life and power in this. We belong to one another. And, and a lot of your prayers that you've been praying for might be coming through your neighbor. Um, and, and I could share a lot about that. I, I have a testimony. I, I don't know if I'll share it tonight. Maybe I will. Um, where my wife and I just, um, man, we, we just received life and freedom through uh, through some people this week in a really profound way uh, that, that was an area of shame in my life that if I hadn't been uh, in the light with that area of shame, that, that, that freedom wouldn't have come to us in our marriage, in our family. Uh, and I'll just, that's just, just a side note for free, but usually the area that God's calling you to walk in the light is the area of your, of your shame, that place that you most feel ashamed in your marriage, in your friendships, whatever it is, that's the area God wants you to bring into the light with brothers and sisters because oftentimes uh, the, the, the answer or the freedom comes in just shining light on that thing. Isaiah 61, 7, it says that instead of your shame, you shall receive a double portion. And so God actually wants not just to remove your shame, but he wants to replace that shame with a double portion of whatever the, the, the blessing is of that thing. If it's, you know, for me, I've, I've, I've come up here a couple of times now, I think I've shared my testimony, uh, struggled with, with sexual sin and pornography uh, for years uh, as a, in my, my teenage years, in my early 20s, and, and it was a massive area of shame because I was a Christian guy, and I was known by everyone as a Christian guy. And so, but, but I, can, I can stand here today and say, in place of that, I've received a double portion. And the double portion looks like purity, freedom from that sin, a wife, four kids with one coming. Like, I've received a lot in place of that sin, right? And so that's, that's God's heart for you. So I don't know what that is uh, for you today. Uh, hopefully you came tonight not to be entertained or not to, uh, to check a, a box for your conscience, but hopefully you came to uh, receive something from God. How many of you know God's a very present help in time of need? He's very present. And, and, and I feel tonight God actually wants us to, uh, to potentially confess that need to one another, and I don't know what that's going to look like, um, and, and, and so we'll just, we'll kind of see how that goes, but I, I think there's something so profound when you bring a need to the light to a brother or sister, and you say, hey, here's what I need. There's so much, uh, listen, Jesus is a savior. Even for those of us in the body, he's still, he's still a saving God. 
And I feel like so many of us in the church sometimes we get in a bad habit of thinking that we're supposed to, uh, now that we've been saved and born into the family of God, that we have to now, we're the ones that have to fulfill our needs now that we're in the body because God's given us so much and we should just be grateful and overcome with, with our Bible and, and more prayer and more Bible studies at gun clubs. <laughs> right? And, and in reality is that God, God has real power for you tonight. And I want to talk about the power of God tonight. Is that okay? I, I, I love the power of God. I'm not ashamed of it. I, I think um, the power of God is, is um, I love him. I love that we serve a powerful God. And I, and I love that his power is so multifaceted. It's not, uh, uh, sometimes I think we think of power as only miracles. How many of you know the power of God is not just the fact that he can raise someone from the dead? The power of God uh, is displayed in so many different ways. We sang about it tonight, his faithfulness. The fact that every morning you wake up and he's the same, that's powerful. Come on, if, if a lion, God doesn't know how to do anything, God, you know, people say, well, well it's power and love. I, I, I don't understand that when people say that. You can't divorce God's power from his love. God's love is an expression. Uh, God is powerful. God is love. So when, when God does anything, he does it with power. When he listens to you, it's powerful. When he's patient with you, it's powerful. When he's, faith, when he's faithful to you in your unfaithfulness, that's powerful. When you see a, a, a massive redwood and you're looking at that thing, you're like, wow, that's powerful, right? But it's not doing anything. It's just sitting there steadfast and stable in all of its glory, right? It's powerful. You see the mountains. You, you look at mountains and you're like, wow, look at the mountains. Why? Because they're powerful. Mountains don't do anything. They just, they just stand there steadfast in all their glory and they reach up and they're just, they're just magnificent. And that's, these, are, these are glimpses of our God. He, he's powerful, He's powerful. He's not like us. We, we're, we're frail. We're weak. We have a, you know, a, a, a good day and a bad day. God doesn't have good days and bad days. God's just God. He's the living God, and he's doing okay. He's doing okay tonight. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop into this, but I want to pray for us, and I just I feel like we're going to encounter the power of God, whatever it is that you need. And I, I'm asking you right now as I pray that you would bring that need to your heart. Maybe you need your heart to be bound up. Maybe you have a broken heart. Maybe you have financial debt. Maybe you're sick in your body. Maybe you have a wayward son or daughter. Maybe uh, your marriage is struggling. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but I just encourage you, bring that need to your heart tonight and say, God, I'm holding this need before you. And your word says that you're a very present help in time of need. And here's what I'll tell you, that help from God, it always comes with power. It always comes with power. And so I want to build your faith tonight that where you have need is the area where God's going to land with his power tonight. Amen? Amen. So let me pray for us, and then we'll hop into this word. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that you, <laughs> you're so beautiful, and you're so powerful, Lord. You're beyond, Lord. You, your word says that you do beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. And I'm asking tonight, Lord, that as um, your sons and daughters, Lord, just, just bring this need before you, literally in prayer, in their hearts, as they present their needs to you. 
the Spirit of God, you would begin to um, prepare their hearts, Lord, for the answer, for that need to be met, Lord. I, I thank you that you're not ashamed of your power. You're not ashamed to answer needs. You're not ashamed to show yourself mighty and powerful, Lord. God, I pray that faith would explode in this, in this room as we, as we just remember how good you are. We remember how powerful you are. We remember, God, how faithful you've been throughout all generations, God, that there's not one need in this room that is too big for you. God, I don't care how long the need has presented itself. I don't care how long the need has taunted uh, those of us in this room. I don't care how insurmountable it seems. God, I thank you that you're the God of Abraham. You're the God of Isaac. You're the God of Jacob. Lord, you, you are the living God and that you have promised that when two or more gather in your name, there you are in our midst. And I thank you, Lord, that not only do you dwell inside of us, but you're in the midst of us this evening, Lord. And I'm asking that the word of God would come, Lord. It would be like bread. It would be like oil. It would be like wine, Lord. It would mix with the Holy Ghost and you would come and there would just be this heavenly cocktail that would descend in this room, God, of Jesus and the love of God and that needs, Lord, true needs and real hearts would be met, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, not by, not by the, the eloquence of my words, not by, not by might, not by strength, not by willpower, not by quote-unquote having enough faith, but by your goodness, Lord, by your faithfulness, by your love, by the blood of Jesus that was poured out, by the, by the Spirit of God that was poured out, God, I pray that the kingdom of God would come tonight, Lord, in power, that it would come in power, Lord, that you would produce something in the hearts of your people in Frisco, Texas, Lord, that would be a testimony it would be a testimony, Lord, a testimony that there is a God in heaven who is alive and he is powerful. God, I pray, Lord, any of us who are stuck and bound in, in numbness or apathy towards you, God, that tonight we would shake and rattle loose, God. Lord, that we would realize this is not a game, that we're not just gathering tonight, Lord, just because it feels good and it's the right thing to do, but Lord, we've come to meet with you. We've come to touch you, Lord. We've come to encounter you, God. We've come to be transformed into your image, God. I'm asking for your mercy. I'm asking for great grace, Lord, to be upon us. God, your great grace upon us, Lord, that you would fill in the gaps, Lord. We we acknowledge and come humbly into your presence and say, God, we don't know what to do in this hour, but we need you. We need you, Lord. We need your touch, Lord. We need your touch. We need your smile. We need your approval. God, we need your fellowship. We need your, your, your love. We need your affection. We need your spirit's power, God. We need the working of miracles. We need wisdom. We need deliverance, God. We need it all tonight. <clears throat> yeah, so we just make room for you tonight, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 1. <clears throat> John chapter 1, we'll start in verse 29. Say amen when you're there. I'm going to talk to you tonight about the power of God. Um, how many of you know God's not ashamed of his power? 
Listen, I want to I get all into this tonight because when we talk about the power of God, I, I realize that uh, many, many people, many times in the church, we get uncomfortable uh, and, and we squirm a little bit about the power of God because it often is associated with miracles and we don't know, okay, well, how does God, how come some people get miracles and, and this and that. I'm not talking about miracles tonight. I'm talking about the power of God. And I want to I I tie a thread here because um, I believe in the church there's an aspect of God's power that I feel like we've, been, we've missed, we've been blinded to in the body of Christ. And I want to hopefully bring this to light to you tonight um, because I, I, um, I'm convicted and convinced that the body of Christ in this hour needs power more than ever. Um, we, we live in a day and age where the world is, the, the political systems, the, the, the media, these various mountains are being shaken. Can someone say amen? We've been watching the news. The, the, our, our systems are being shaken. And what, what troubles me and upsets me is I see the body of Christ being shaken as well. But I, I have news for you is God's on a throne. I said he's on a throne and righteousness and justice is the foundation of that throne. God is not shaken by this hour. God's not going anywhere. He is, he is sitting stable and steadfast upon his throne. And these events of our day in our nation, are not, they are not uh, shaking his throne. They are not shaking his heart. They are not shaking his mind. He's not confused. He's not baffled. He's not concerned. I believe he's grieved, but he's not shaken. He's powerful, but he's not a robot. He loves people, and he loves all people. And he longs for all to be saved. But I, I, I believe those, uh, 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 those, those of us in the body of Christ, I believe he's, he's speaking to us in this hour, and I believe we need a revelation of the power of God. I believe there has been powerless Christianity for too long in this nation. And I want to I specifically highlight an aspect of this power and show you that this power I'm talking about is not just miracles. I, I believe we need more miracles. I believe we need more signs and wonders. I believe it. Like, we need a testimony that God is alive in the church. Like, like God's got to be doing stuff. Like, listen, when Jesus walked the earth, he was doing things that no man can do. He was doing things that no man can do, and so it created a stir amongst the people. Why? Because, because they said, wow, this man teaches as one who has authority, not as the scribes. What was different? He actually had power to back up what he was saying. And so in the body of Christ, though, we've done a lot without God. And so I want to show you this from the text and just, and just very briefly and succinctly represent the gospel to you and hopefully tonight give you a faith in the power of God in a very unique way. And I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. So here in John uh, chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist who was heaven's messenger to announce the Messiah. Please make note of this. This was, God said, hey, I want to announce my son to Israel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. This was, this was God's billboard. John the Baptist was the first Baptist, by the way, OG Baptist, and he was God's billboard to tell humanity, this is my son. Okay, so check out what John says. Check out the billboard of heaven. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. <clears throat> John says, 
as a sign in the wilderness, he says, I want you to look this way. <laughs> and I want you to see this man, and he's going to, this is what he's going to do. He's going to take away the sin of the world. Now, many of us in the body of Christ are familiar with that work of Jesus. Amen? How many of you have you've allowed him to take away your sin? <laughs> Come on, can we thank God for that? Listen, I'll tell you, as a believer, one of the most profound things you can do is thank God every day and remember the price that it took to remove sin out of your heart and to keep your heart tethered in love to the blood that was shed on the cross. The easiest thing to do as, a, as an American Dallas Christian is to let the blood of Jesus grow cold on your hands and on your hearts because you take for granted what he's done for you. And if you forget that his blood that was warm on that cross that was shed for you so that you could have life, if you forget, you will wander in the wilderness just like Israel did. I'm telling you, uh, let me, I, I, have to, I have to read this real quick. I'm sorry, uh, this was, that was supposed to be a side note. The Lord said make it a little more than a side note. Is this okay that I preach this way with him, not just me? Is that okay? All right. Look what he says here in, um, now Lord, you got to show me where it is. It's in 2 Peter. Yeah, 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 yeah. 2 Peter 1. Look at this. Woo. Verse 9. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. Stay in John 1. For whoever, he's telling them, add to your faith all these things, love, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, affection, godliness. He says, for if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. <laughs> You're like, I wish I had more brotherly affection. I wish I had more steadfastness. I wish I had more virtue. It's because you've forgotten that you were cleansed from your former sins. And you've become nearsighted and blind to the gospel. That's just a nugget. You put in your heart every morning. Listen, the priests of the old covenant says every morning and every evening they would sacrifice a lamb. Did you know that? Every morning and every evening they would kill a lamb. Do you know what that means? It means that they were, they were constantly in touch with the sacrifice of the sins. And so today in the new covenant, we don't actually have to kill a lamb, but there was a lamb who says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So what can we do? What, what, what's our sacrifice in the new covenant? Woo, praise. We get to bring a sacrifice of praise. How many of you know when you wake up and you have not had your coffee and you're all squinty-eyed and your kids woke you up at 6 o'clock and you're irritated and you're like, man, how many of you know it's a sacrifice to open your eyes and go, thank you, Jesus? I guarantee your flesh doesn't want to say that. Thank you, Lord, that I'm part of your family. Thanks that you've cleansed me from all of my sin. And that today I can walk free as a son or daughter of God. What would that look like? And every night when you go to bed, you had a long day, and maybe you said something you shouldn't have said, or maybe you and your wife had a deal, and you come together and you say, Jesus, but thanks that you cleanse us from our sins. Thanks, Lord, that you just wash us. And you never forget, every morning and every evening, you engage like the old covenant. We're priests and kings, are we not? The Bible says we love quoting that, oh, we're priests and kings. Well, man, do you look what these priests did? Every morning and every evening, they had to butcher an animal. How many of you have butchered an animal? I have. I hunt. I like to hunt. I'm a Texas boy. You shoot an animal and you butcher it. It's work. 
It's work. When it's cold in November, it's one of the coolest feelings because I do it once a year. But if I had to do it every day, it would be exhausting. And so, but here now, God's so gracious and merciful. He says, just engage your heart in thanksgiving. How hard is that? Just, just, just engage your heart. Wow, thank you, Lord. So that's a tip. That's an encouragement. That's equipping you to engage with the blood of Jesus, the love of God. Amen. And as you do these things, I mean, that Second that Peter, as you do those things, those qualities of God, you'll be supplementing your faith with virtue and excellence and brotherly affection and all these things that you've been longing for. How many of you know that it would, you, you think it's going to come through more Bible study, more? No, just tether your heart to, to what he's done on the cross. <laughs> Woo! It's so simple, it's offensive. You can't like, you know, it's like, that doesn't seem like it'll work, just try it. <laughs> All right, look at this. So John, he gives you one thing. He says, hey, Jesus, he's going to do two things. He's going to take away the sins of the world. Then he talks a little bit more, and then verse 33, he says this. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Say baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, I know not here at the upper room does anyone uh, bristle at that, at that phrase, but across the body of Christ, that phrase has become a very touchy subject, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? How many of you know someone, if you just say the word, baptism of the Holy Spirit, they get a little irritated? Because they maybe think that you're coming from a Pentecostal assemblies background and you're trying to tell them that they don't have something that you have and that you're going to come with this spiritual arrogance. And Are you with me? Hey, listen, I grew up Bible church. Is it okay if I'm real? Or is this, I just want to make sure. I grew up in the Bible church. This is new for me. The, the thing we were referencing uh, in 2006 Listen, I was bound up. I was a born-again believer bound up in sin. I had an addiction to looking at things on the internet. I was addicted. It was a stronghold in my life. The reason I can be so transparent in this place is because I have been delivered and the shame and the, and the power of that thing has been broken off of my life. Listen, I know it's a Goliath in our day. I know it is. Like, I know for many men, it, it's a Goliath. Like, you, you, it's, it's destroying marriages, and it's why it's one of the reasons where I, I feel so, like, I want to testify of the goodness of God. Because, listen, I've seen Goliath fall. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to see God in his mercy take a shepherd boy and to just chop the head off this thing and, and, and bring freedom. Do you know what I'm saying? David wasn't boasting around, look how strong I am. It was like it was the living God that won the victory for him. Are you with me? And, and when Michael and these three others and this other lady laid hands on me that day, real power came over my life. Physical power that I could feel physically in my body. Are you saying you have to have that to have to be free? No, but there will be power. There will be power. If when you get baptized in water, you get wet then when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will get God. (laughs) Come on. If, If I take any of you in this place and I have a bucket of water and I dunk you in it, you're gonna come out what? Wet. So 
the Bible says Jesus would do two things. He, there, the, the announcement of the Messiah, I want to get back to the heart of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I believe is power. He says, he will take away your sins and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus. And for too long, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has been about tongues. It's been about Pentecostals. It's been about all these other things. When the Bible, it, it, it is a sacred aspect of the gospel. It's so sacred. It's so precious. And in the body of Christ, we've bypassed and skipped the conversation because there's been spiritual pride and arrogance around this topic. And what happened is a group said, if you don't pray in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And the other group said, well, I have all the Holy Spirit I need. Thank you very much. And then pretty much it became the thing where, like, let's not talk about it. Let's agree to disagree. And, and that's how it's been. And, and people are afraid to dialogue it. But the problem I have is that this is so sacred. This is so sacred to the gospel. This is so sacred to us walking in our destiny. And, and it's so much more than tongues. It's so much more than miracles. It's so much more than, than, than this outward display of, 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 of some manifestation of, of, of outward power. And there is that. I'm not diminishing that and we need that. But I want to talk about the moral power that it produces in the Christian life. The moral power. The power to overcome sin. The power to walk a life of integrity, of faithfulness, of humility. Like the power. Like listen, I can lay hands on you. Many of you tonight, we could lay hands and you can have a power encounter with God. And I pray you do. I really pray you do. I don't know what your need is tonight. If you need healing in your body, I want to lay hands on you. We want to lay hands on you. If you need a financial miracle, I had a massive one this week. I'm talking massive massive, and, and I want to lay hands on you. Like, God will do it. But listen, there is a power that I want to build your faith for that you need to have expectation for, and it's a power to run well until the very end. It's a power to love. It's a power. It's an inner power that will sustain you to give you peace, to give you love, to give you joy, to give you a sense of moral excellence that literally it's Christ in you that wherever you go, no matter at 6 o'clock in the morning or 9 o'clock at night or you're in your business meeting, that it is a power that manifests God in you 24 by 7. I, there is too much discrepancy in this hour between these moments, these touch points that we have, these power encounters with God, which we need. We need the power encounters with God. Hear me. But if that power encounter in the moment doesn't produce a power to walk in character and integrity like Jesus, in love and in humility and dependence, it's pointless. That's not pointless. That's too strong. It's, it's just not. It'll compromise your testimony. It'll compromise our witness. Oh. All right. Go to Acts chapter 1. Are you guys with me? <clears throat> Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> so here, at this point in time, Jesus is in between his two signal accomplishments as the Messiah. He's in between, in Acts chapter 1, he's in between these two signal moments as the Messiah. 
The death, burial, and resurrection would be the aspect of him being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Again, a side note, this is really important. You have to distinguish between the blood of Jesus and the blood of bulls and goats and John's baptism. We have to, as the body of Christ, to be able to distinguish between what did the blood of a bull and goat accomplish, what did John's baptism accomplish, and what did Jesus' blood accomplish. Jesus' blood was more than God saying, I forgive you of your sins. And then if you sin again, you need to go back to the blood of Jesus to get forgiven of his sins. That's the blood of a bull and goat. Do you understand? When, they, when someone would do something wrong, unintentional sins, they would, shed an anim, they would shed the blood of an animal and they would receive forgiveness by the blood, the life of that animal. So it was very transactional. You do wrong, you get forgiveness. You do wrong, you get forgiveness. And many people in the body of Christ treat the blood that way. We do wrong, we get forgiveness. We do wrong, we get forgiveness. But it doesn't work that way. You live in the new covenant forgiven, but here's the thing. In covenant with your father, it is now very apt and right and holy to confess your sins to your dad and to one another. Why? Because it's a relational act that fuels intimacy. Confession of sin in the new covenant isn't about getting righteous. It's about a relational act that fuels intimacy. It's very different. I'm not justified through, through say, if I sin against Casey, that doesn't make me more righteous if I confess it to him or confess it to God. If I've been born again, I'm righteous. I can't get any more righteous than as righteous as Jesus. You can't, you can't have it both ways. I'm either, I've received the righteousness of God as a gift, apart from what I do by the grace of God, or I receive the righteousness of God based, by, based on the law, what I do. So if, if I can't be righteous by what I do or don't do in the new covenant, then what of, what of confession? Confession is like this. If I know Casey will forgive me, Let's say Casey is 100% the most forgiving guy on the planet. And I know he will forgive me. And I sin against him. And I say, well, I'm not going to tell him because I know he'll forgive me. What have I done? I've taken his right as a friend of mine to offer me forgiveness even though I know he'll do it. So... Even though I know my friendship won't be marred if I don't do that transaction and be like, well, he's going to forgive me 100%. Something happens when I say, bro, I'm so sorry I did that. Will you forgive me? And he says, yeah, I'll forgive you. And now all of a sudden we grow closer. It's the same with God in the new covenant. Your confession to God and one another allows God to forgive you and to do what he covenanted to do with you, which is to draw you close to him. You guys with me? So we have to distinguish that the blood of Jesus didn't just forgive your sin, he takes it away. Where are the amens? <laughs> he took your sin away. <clears throat> Do you know he took your sin away? That means you're no longer a sinner. He took all of your sin away. He took all of your sin away. The blood of Jesus... Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You, you no longer are prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You're not prone to wander. Only if you walk by the flesh are you prone to wander, but you're, you walk by the Spirit. Oh, come on. You walk by the Spirit. 
Walking by the Spirit is for the most baby elementary Christian. It's not, it's not a name we give to mature Christians. Oh, look at him, he's walking by the Spirit. No. Walking by the Spirit is, is, is the means to freedom. So the way you walk by the Spirit is you go, God, thank you that you took away my sin. I'm completely righteous, and today I'm going to walk in righteousness. Why? Because your law's written on my heart. The grace of God's empowered me. The Spirit of God's upon me, and it is my desire to walk with you, to please you, and to be free from all sin. How many of you woke up this morning and you said, I'm going to figure out how to miss it today? How many of you? You didn't. How many of you tonight, you came to church, you're like, I wonder how long I have to go to church for me to be good with God. Hopefully you didn't do that. If you did, repent. That's a dead work. Just go home. <laughs> or don't go home. You probably encounter God anyway. He's so gracious. <laughs> so listen. Listen, he takes away the sin of the world, and here he is in Acts chapter 1, and he says, hey guys, um, let's just read it. He says, he stayed with them, and he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the, what's it called? Read it. The promise of who? The promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is called the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. Think about that for a second. You may have not had a good dad, maybe you had a great dad. Our heavenly dad is amazing. <laughs> he's really, he's never made a promise that he, that he didn't fulfill. We sang it. You guys were singing your heads off earlier. All your promises Oh, yes and amen. Listen, you were singing it. His promises are yes and amen. His promise. So he promised you. He says, I promise you, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's a promise from your daddy. Has nothing. Listen, so it's a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise. So tonight, I want to just, I want to set you up. It's a promise from your father. It's a promise. It's a promise. It's nothing to do with a lottery system. has nothing to do with, it, it's like God saying, hey, I promise I'll do this today. It has nothing to do with you. It's a promise of the Father. Do you understand that? When someone promises you something, you don't have to do anything because they promised if, the, if it's a faithful person. If it's an integrous person and they say, I promise I'll do this, how much of that promise depends on you? When it's a faithful person who has integrity, who has power, who has resources, who can actually come through on the promise, and they say, I promise, I promise. What did he promise? What was the promise in this text? Come on, guys. These aren't trick questions. Are y'all okay? Are y'all just thinking on me? He promised to, that, that Jesus would baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Look at verse 8. The disciples ask him, they're like, well, are you going to, is the kingdom going to come? And he's like, ah, you don't, you don't need to know basis. You don't need to know. <clears throat> and he says, but here's what you do need to know in verse 8. He says, you will receive power. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he was taking these things, he was lifted up. So the very last thing Jesus said to his disciples is you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
Now, we know that when Acts chapter 2 came, I don't have time to teach this. The, the part I want to highlight is a little different. But, but we know when it came, there was, there was tongues of fire. There was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. They were speaking in tongues, and all the people gathered together. And all of a sudden, there was just this shift. And so we've looked at the manifestations, and we said, okay, well, then with the baptism, we need tongues. We need the little fire things on their heads. We need the wind sound. You know, we've tried to, like, break this thing down. But Jesus didn't say you need these manifestations. He says you will receive power. There was a promise, and the promise was power. So, so there's two things we got to get from Jesus. He says, hey, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take all the sin out of your house, out of your temple. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shed my precious blood so that your, your temple will be completely squeaky, virgin, clean like Mary. Woo, come on. Mary, the virgin Mary, how, how virgin was her womb? Completely clean, squeaky clean. And God takes his seed. Woo! And puts it in Mary into a clean womb. The same thing happens to you. God's blood, he comes to your womb. He's like, man, your womb is defiled by sin. It's defiled. Your inner man, it's been defiled by sin. And he's like, there's a sacrifice for that. I took my blood and I pulled out everything inside of your womb that wasn't right, that wasn't capable of receiving the spirit of God. So the, the, the behold the Lamb of God to take, a sin, take away the sin of the world was connected to you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're not disconnected promises. He did the one so that he could fulfill the other. Yee! Listen, we celebrate only the gospel on Easter. The church of the West, it's like Easter is the Super Bowl Sunday of the gospel. It's like that's when you preach the gospel. And then Pentecost comes and it's like all the Pentecostals are like, woohoo! But not the rest of the church is not doing anything. Why? It, it was twofold. The gospel wasn't, the, 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 the work of Jesus in that one sense of reconciling man to God wasn't complete until Pentecost. It was like halftime. The resurrection was halftime. Oh, come on. It wasn't, he wasn't done yet. He wasn't done with the gospel story. And he wanted to promise power, but in the church we've compromised without power because we haven't seen, we think it's like, oh, that's extracurricular thing. No, it's foundational to your faith and to Jesus. He promised you power. Oh, okay, go to Colossians 1.1. I'm going to preach this thing. And then I'm going to preach it. I don't, you can go home if you need to. If you're hungry, you start talking about that food, you can go. I bless you. Look at this. <clears throat> Same word for power, Colossians 1.11. May you be strengthened with all power according to what? His glorious might. So the power that you're being strengthened with tonight is according to his glorious might. Guys, get out of our heads and get into the God realm. It's only by the spirit of God we can tap into this. Faith in the room says, wow, there is a power 
pulsating here tonight that God says, hey, you're, you, you just, just open yourself up to it because there's this power like a freight train that when you open your heart and say, okay, God, I receive. I want your promise. Something happens, and all of a sudden in your heart, you just start. You, you, it's like that thing you're going through. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe the fear, but you feel this power at work within you, and now all of a sudden, you're not where you, where you were before you came in. You're not hopeless. You're not despair. There's a power at work within you that's stronger than your circumstances. That's a God power. And he says, I want you to be strengthened for all what? Endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. The power here in Colossians 1 is a power to endure and to be patient with joy. Oh, man, I've met a lot of people who, who are very patient and they are miserable. Oh, I'm just patiently waiting. Oh, I'm just waiting for the promises. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you need some power to, to have endurance and patience with joy. <laughs> Woo, I'm waiting for the promise. Hallelujah. You know, like it's not a it's not an emotion. It's not a it becomes an emotion, but it's a power that connects you to the answer before you have the answer because God's faithful oh man he's faithful I don't care I'll preach myself happy he's faithful and so whatever your whatever your need was there's an answer there's a response there's provision there's healing and God says there's a power that will connect your heart in faith to what you need before you have it and he says, this power you need for endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to God who qualified you for the inheritance and the saints and the light. Oh, man. Look at this. There's more. 1 Corinthians 4. This is, this, is, <clears throat> this is the power we don't talk about, but that was talked about in the New Testament. We, we think the, the Pentecost power was just about miracles. It wasn't just about miracles. It was about this inner power that the apostles had to be witnesses of Jesus. Now, their witness, witnessing to, to Jesus wasn't about evangelism. Being a witness is not about evangelism. We've made it all about evangelism. Oh, if you're a witness, then you're an evangelist. <clears throat> no, if you're a Christian, you're a witness. How? Like this. I'm going to prove it to you right here. Your life becomes a witness with power. Your life becomes a witness that Jesus is alive when you have power. When you don't have power, you relegate being a witness to someone else who has another gift than you. When you have power that's not your own power, this has nothing to do with someone being super anointed. This is a promise of our daddy. Are you kidding me? This has nothing to do with even the fivefold ministry. This is a promise for all believers that you have power. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. There's a promise tonight of power to you. If you can hear my voice, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Galatians 3, does he who supplies the spirit do so by works of the law or by hearing mixed with faith? Does he who work miracles among you do so by works of the law or hearing the gospel mixed with faith? His supply and miracles and breakthrough has nothing to do with you. Sorry. 
sorry, has everything to do with his goodness and his faithfulness and his promises. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 4, 19. I'm going I'm to start in 18. Look at this. He's addressing, I want you to see the context of this text. He's addressing sexual sin in the church. In this letter, he's addressing a, a form of sexual sin that was pervading the church. Watch this. He says, some are arrogant as though I, I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their what? Power. Interesting. Same word. Same word. Interesting. Is he saying, I'm going to check if they're speaking in tongues? Yes or no? He says, for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. How many of you know, in this context, now it's true that the kingdom comes with all sorts of manifestations of power, so it's legal to apply this verse to that, but in this context, he's talking about moral power. Moral power. He's saying, these guys are talking the talk, but their life doesn't reflect it because there's sin in the church. And he says, so when I come, I'm going to find out what's of their talk. Because it doesn't really matter what you say, it's how you live. Are you living free? Are you living pure? Is there a power at work within you that's causing you to overcome producing the fruit of the Spirit inside of you? The fruit of the Spirit comes from the power of the Spirit. So many of you looking for the fruit, self-control, goodness, it comes from the power. Brett, if you guys want to come up, I'm about to close this thing. Thanks for being patient. Last one, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. I want to show you this, and I want to, I want, then I want to pray. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Paul again says this. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And here in this text, Paul is saying, he says, listen, we're being persecuted, we're being crushed, people are surrounding us, they're coming around us, we're in these, these things. And he says, it's the surpassing power in this jar of clay that belongs to God that enables us to not be beaten down, to not be completely destroyed, to actually give myself over to death so that life can be formed in you. Are you guys with me? So stand to your feet. <clears throat> we're going to pray here in a minute. But I want you guys, we, we got to get real with God, with our need. It's okay to be in need tonight. And I want you to just bring again to your heart that area of your need because God really cares about what you need. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to put on a face for someone. He wants you to just be real. If, if you need uh, freedom from debt, then just say so. If you need freedom from an addiction, 
then that's what you need. And I just, I don't know, I just, I can't get away from this. And I'm going to obey God and give you guys a chance. I, I really feel like we, I don't know if you can find someone that you know, that you trust, that you came with. If you can't, then you just trust God. God, who am I supposed to be with? But I, I want you to find someone in this room. Maybe you came with them, and I want you to share your need with them briefly. I want you to just, just acknowledge it. It could be your spouse. And I want you just to acknowledge the need out loud to that person. And here's what I believe is going to happen. We're going to have a time where we just share that. We're just going to we're just going to bring it into the light. I don't want you to counsel that person. I don't want you to I just want you to say thank you for sharing that with me. Can we do that? Cuz I want to I want to walk you through this. I want you to go find someone that you know that you trust. I'm not going to force you to do that. No one can make you walk in the light. You only do this if you want. But I believe there's power in it. And I want you to just share it with them. And just, just when the person shares it with you, it doesn't matter what it is. I want you to just say, thank you for sharing that with me. Thanks for sharing your heart with me. And then we're going to pray for one another. We're going to pray for one another. And I believe that as we pray for one another, that God is going to fulfill. I want us to pray that the promise of the Holy Spirit, the power, would be and come upon that person in that place of need. Are you with me? Are you with me? So why don't you just go find someone? If you don't feel comfortable finding someone, just confess it to the Lord. Confess your need to the Lord. Just confess it. It's okay. I, I realize some people, you may not have anyone you can talk to here. Just quickly, just say, what do you need? Maybe it's joy. Just just try to be as real as you can.